Colfax Avenue, 49.5 miles long, home to the famous RTD number 15. Playboy magazine once called Colfax the longest, wickedest street in America. To the LGBTQIA community, it's home to our famous Pride Fest parade every summer, produced by the Center on Colfax. It's a building I drive by every day, but if you're like me, you probably have never been inside or really know what goes on here every day. I'm Ken Young. This is Listening Studio Colorado. This is the Stonewall. It starts here with the blue, um, and it basically starts on June 28, 1969. And you'll see, like I was talking about before, there's all these little QR codes that you can John White, sure. also known to many as Dixie Crystals, has been volunteering at the center for five years. John recently joined the staff seven months ago. On this episode, I thought it would be the perfect opportunity to spotlight the center, but also chat with John about his work as an entertainer. So right now we're in the deep of in the heart of Texas of Denver Pride Fest. <laughs> um, so that's been a really exciting thing. We have tons of events that we're getting ready to do this year. March really is the kickoff for our event season. Um, with our Justice Jokers and Jewels event that we start doing, uh, which will be next week. We do a happy hour series that we've been working on, which is typically monthly, uh, kicking off in May. Uh, we do that May, July, August, September, October. We don't do June for obvious reasons. It is Pride Month. Um, so there are tons of events going on with that. Um, we are also, um, we have our art exhibit that's here now which is the stonewall 50 and that is basically it's really more historical than art um, it's a beautiful installation that takes up the entire lobby lots of hard work has gone into it um, there are many different aspects to it as far as you know there are magazines and article clippings and things of that nature you can go through and do the qr codes and that comes up on your phone and everything we've also built on the backside an actual website that it'll take you to so you can get all the information that's through denverpride.org so those are some really exciting things and then we have an art project coming up after that goes away in april and that we're working with all of our program managers to get folks involved from each of our programming to put together some sort of art pieces and then we're doing a public art forum where folks can come in on a saturday uh, and they can sit here and we set up our supplies. We have old magazines, old articles, um, different types of decoupage, you know, tissue papers and pom-poms and rainbow gack out the wazoo. You know, it's everywhere. It's a glitter explosion. <laughs> um, so that's really a lot of fun. And that'll be up through Pride season um, through the end of, uh, I believe it's going to go up to the beginning of August. Uh, and then we, as Denver Pride, are going to represent us in the World Pride Parade this year in New York City. Um, we all go for that weekend to um, represent. We're going to do a volunteer opportunity with New York Pride. We're going to give back um, a little bit as well while we're there. And then we're going to be marching in the parade. Their nine-hour-long parade. Holy crap. Everyone complains when ours is three hours, but how would you like a nine-hour parade? <laughs> <laughs> And everyone says, well, what time does it finish? And I say, well, it depends on where you're sitting. <laughs> so sit at the beginning. <laughs> when you were showing me around the lobby, we spoke briefly about one Colorado, 
Yeah, so it's been really exciting. Uh, Sarah, their volunteer coordinator, and myself, we reached out as soon as I came on board and just try and figuring out, so it's how do we better utilize e each other's volunteer um, opportunities because they have volunteers that want to be able to work with us and do Pride Fest and other types of um, things that we do to give back, but then we also have volunteers that want to be able to give back to help with their phone banks or things on the activism side. So we actually have an orientation coming up tomorrow um, that will will be combined so they can learn a little bit about us and then a little bit about One Colorado. And if they truly just want to volunteer for One Colorado, then they're going to take them across the street and kind of do a hands-on training for them of what it is because um, they have a very specific orientation that they go through. And then we'll go from there and hopefully utilize each other's volunteers. So I just finished emceeing a show that was a benefit for the Rainbow Alley children. It was so fabulous. I loved every minute of it. Um, now I'm gonna go home, but I think I gotta walk up three flights of stairs. Cause these fucking elevators don't work. What the hell, my lord. You have a larger than life persona by the name of Dixie Crystals. I've seen Dixie on social media giving live shout outs from center events. Yeah. Uh, this is a question I, I regularly ask everyone, but I think it's important because we need to recognize people that make an impact in our lives. Do you have anyone specifically in our community that you look up to or inspires you personally or as an entertainer? I would say uh, my number one person that I have been fortunate enough to know over the last two years is Stuart Sanks, also known as Shirley Delta Blow. Um, he brought me into the Drag Decade show at the Clock Tower exactly two years ago. And I have been grateful ever since. It was great exposure for me. I had not done a lot here in Colorado on purpose. I took a break for a very long time from doing drag. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> in 2015, when I did Lacage, you know, that kind of sparked it again. And I was like, you know, let's just bring her out of the old sack and see what happens to Dixie. Um, and so Stuart and I really come from the same school of thought when it comes to our background in theater, the way that we present ourselves in public, you know, we kind of tend to stick to the same type of shtick, for lack of a better word. It's kind of our, you know, our way of putting out their older songs, vintage, you know, show tunes, things of that nature. Um, but I would say that he is definitely one of my inspirations on that side of things. But also, Jessica Lahore has been really amazing. Um, I had the fortune of knowing her for about the last, only just the last year. And she joined our cast at Drag Decades. And I will tell you, she's probably one of the hardest working drag queens in the city of Denver. It's really amazing. I love that she gets so excited about different show ideas and things of that nature. And I love that there's that group of people that are very um, looking for other ways to incorporate the entire community and not just segregate it, you know, king versus queen. So I really admire her for what she's doing. And a lot of other, you know, a lot of other performers are following suit with the same thing of, you know, dedicating to, you know, if you don't have at least one other person besides a drag queen or a drag king in your show, then you need to step up to the plate as a producer and do that, you know, to be more inclusive within the community. So I think that her, her um, aspects of like um, intuition and being able to read the community because she does so many different things across Colorado that I think that that's a great thing for the up and coming and also for us old folk, you know, to take time to pause and say, oh, 
those are great ideas. And yeah, maybe we should start thinking about doing that because we can't stay the way that it was in the 90s and the early 2000s. We really, as performers, have to evolve like every performer. It doesn't matter what your art is. As a musician, you have to change with the time. So Lionel Richie, you know, what he did in the 70s, he can still do today, but he's got to make it a little more current, you know, to, to make people listen some more. So I think it's the same thing within the drag community as well. <laughs> and it seems like there's a dozen drag events or brunches each week weekend yes it does there are I, I i hope that we don't get to the point where we saturate it too much i've been happy to see some of the um establishments cancel shows that aren't as popular as others because then it becomes a competition so if you're competing with two other really popular brunches and you're the ninth brunch that's been put out there maybe you should change it to a different day or do a midweek something like get a little creative with it because i think that's the times that we're in now in denver is that we have so many entertainers and they're all good and so everybody wants to be a producer i love that but (laughs) slow your roll kids (laughs) there's a serious risk of drag fatigue yes exactly (laughs) You were in Lacage at the Aurora Fox in 2015. Was that production a game changer for you personally? It was. It was a role that I had wanted to do for probably 15 years. And I literally, it was, I only went to the audition as a test. I had moved here and had not been performing for about seven years. And I thought, oh gosh, if there's ever a time, and it was near my house, I thought, well, it's convenient. I'll just go sing this song and be done. And whatever happens, happens. But in any entertainer's mind, you know, you're like, God, I hope I get a callback or something. And I, from the minute that I walked in, just the people that I met, I was immediately calmed. I didn't really know any theater companies in Denver, so I didn't go in with any preconceived notions. I didn't know who directors were. I didn't care. You know, I came from, you know, working at Disney, and before that I was working in New York. So you never typically go in knowing who these folks are anyway. Um, But after the audition was over, it was just a great experience to be able to say, oh, I got a callback. And then they're like, oh, and we need you to come and drag to callback too, just so you know. And I was frantic like, oh shit, I don't have anything left. I threw it all away. Um, so it was, it was nice because during that audition process, there were three people sitting in front of me, including the director, Bernie, and two of the people grabbed their arms when I started singing. And so I thought, okay, I haven't lost it yet. <laughs> I have to hide in ice, not worth a damn, till you can say, hey world, I am one. In my mind, it was just a practice audition to get seen and heard in the Denver theater scene. And after that moment, it was like, okay, this is this is doable. And then doing the callback again, you know, it was one of those things, nerves were high and went in knowing everything, but I was like, I still gotta have my book for that, you know. <laughs> I just gotta have it. I'm like a choir teacher, just standing here with my book open, just singing my song. Um, but it was so funny, you know, and, and when I finished it, it was just like dead silence in the room. And of course, that theater company, everyone did their song in the same room together. So it wasn't like you did it one at a time and you left, thank you, next person. You were actually singing in front of your competition. So for me, I knew 
that I could change the notes in the song because I had done the song before. So I switched it up a little bit. And so I, a part of me loved when I turned around and people were like, that was so bitchy. And I'm like, it's not, it's called talent. <laughs> <laughs> did you sprinkle a little bit of Dixie crystals into that role? You know, I did sprinkle a lot of Dixie. And you know, Dixie is a lot of me as well. A lot of people take on a different persona. I've never been that person in drag to take on a completely different persona because I don't I don't come from a horrific background and I had a great upbringing even though my dad is a Methodist minister. And you know, it's just like I had a great upbringing as a family. So I didn't have anything to, you know, be a different personality for. I just wanted to be an embellishment of myself. You're in the show Dining with Divas at Mile High Hamburger Mary's. Yes. You're also hosting a show called Drama Queens at the Vintage Theater. Yeah, so last year, uh, in probably January of last year, I was approached by the folks at Vintage Theater, because I've obviously worked with them a few times, and they were like, we're starting this cabaret series to do throughout the week because, you know, we have the facility. We don't, you know, how can we bring extra people to learn about the theater? And I said, well, let me create a show. Uh, Hence, poof, you're a show producer already. (laughs) And, you know, it's all the different things that went along with it. And I wanted to have some staple people in it all the time. But then I also wanted to bring in folks that had a good following within Colorado because, again, for me, it was an exposure to the theater and also an exposure to see what I could do as a host and MC of a show and, you know, hopefully be a mentor to people or vice versa. I can learn from somebody else, that type of thing. So really for me, it was about putting themes to the show uh, to make it more cohesive and make it more theatrical simply because we're in a theater itself. So how can I incorporate, you know, my musical theater background with the drag? Super easy. We did musical trivia. So that's become kind of a staple. And we've grown from having like 15 people to now where we have 90 people come to the show. And we haven't even done a full year yet. And it's great because we have some of their season ticket holders that come. We have people that know their performers. And then we have people that said, well, I just saw it online. You know, I just saw the flyer and it was on Gold Star. So it was a cheap ticket. I'm like, I'm glad I'm a cheap date. Um, So that's kind of how that went into place. And then partnering with Hamburger Mary's has been really great this year. I've been, I think this is probably be my seventh or eighth show that I've done there. I absolutely love it. I always wanted to do something at Hamburger Mary's just because it's the icon, you know, for restaurants and in the industry and things of that nature. And then being able to work with Jessica and then for her to ask me to, you know, be the hostess for Dining with Divas, I was very honored. Um, You know, she can ask anybody that she wants to. And so I was very honored and I take it seriously and I just think we're going to have tons of fun. I don't know. I've not worked with any of the performers that are in the show that evening. So for me, that's exciting because I get to see what they're going to bring to the table. Um, And then also, again, have a chance and an opportunity to meet other entertainers to possibly have them in my show or, you know, how can we partner together in the future, that type of thing. Next show for Drama Queens is March 13th. Yes. We'll put a link up on the website at listencolorado.com. Fabulous. Yeah, we do that show the second Tuesday of every month. The handsome John White, the gorgeous Dixie Crystals. Thanks so much for taking time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you. You'll find a link to the Center on Colfax website and Facebook page on our website, listencolorado.com. You'll also find a link to Dixie Crystals' Facebook page at Dixie in Denver. I'm Ken Young. 
This is Listening Studio Colorado. <laughs>